0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. One of the most important things that leaders do is impact the people around them. The best leaders work hard to make sure that impact is positive. My guest today is someone I have known for over 10 years. She is the kind of leader who is making a positive impact in the lives of her team and her industry. She is the founder and CEO of Select Power Systems, an engineering company that supports the electrical power industry. I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about how she is using her influence as a leader to make a difference. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Heather Eason. Heather is the founder, president, and CEO of Select Power Systems, a full-service engineering firm supporting the electrical power industry. Select Power Systems is a certified woman-owned small business. Heather is an electrical engineer with an MBA who's been leading technical organizations for years. She also shares her thoughts on leanedon.com, where her mission is to empower women in STEM careers. I've known Heather since 2010 when we both worked for a large global engineering company. Now we're each running our own businesses. I'm excited to talk to Heather about her journey in leadership and entrepreneurship. So Heather, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, John. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Well, I'm so glad that we can sit down and talk. We had to postpone this interview, so I'm glad we finally could uh, hook up and talk. And um, I'm really excited to hear about your journey to entrepreneurship and about Slack Power, because I'm excited about um, you kind of taking the plunge and starting your own business. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk about that and to hear your journey, but uh, let us, let's get started here. So what got you into engineering in the first place? Why did you choose a career in a technical field and technical leadership?
1: Um, So I I guess I have to blame my dad. Um, (laughs) My dad, uh, you know, he always, uh, used to use the phrase, he said, I raised a daughter, not an invalid. So being a girl is no excuse not to do anything. Um, and so, and, and he was an operator at the Oconee Nuclear Station at, uh, Duke Energy, um, outside of Clemson, South Carolina. I learned so much from him. Uh, I, I was just so fascinated by the stories that he told, and um, even though he wasn 't an engineer himself um, just the the level of expertise and knowledge that he had around the nuclear industry um, really just it fascinated me and it started me on my journey
0: wow and did you and did you early on sort of have the knack i mean just did you have a natural inclination towards math science solving problems was that just did it come natural to you or is something that you had to work at
1: um so me and my brother both are math nerds um <laughs> <laughs> so i actually in ninth grade doubled up and took two math classes the same year in high school um so i loved math uh, it was something that um You know, I I joke, I say I'm not good at foreign languages. I took French and Spanish both, but I can't speak them anymore. But I talk the language of math. It makes sense to me. And, um, you know, my brother, equally, he got a degree um, in math, and he actually is a high school math teacher now. So we both went the math route.
0: Wow, wow. Yeah, I I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I had trouble learning languages, foreign languages, but math seemed to always just make sense to me. The rules were, I don't know, the, the rules made sense and they always, there was, they're always applied equally. And uh, to me, it was, it was pretty straightforward. And um, yeah, but but I didn't have a long history of people in my family who, who chose an engineering route. But for me, it just sort of, I was always solving problems and math seemed easy. So engineering seemed like a, a route to go. Right. So.
1: Exactly. And um for for good or bad the the idea is that you have to be good in math to be a good engineer, mm. and I've actually found that's not true <laughs> um, you know the the math uh yeah, you have to have the math foundation, but it's really the curiosity it's the creativity mm. it's the problem solving it's the puzzles yeah. that 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 make you a good engineer. Um, the math is just the vehicle that you use to get there. So, um, you know, I like to tell people, Hey, you've got to have the math basics. That's true. You have to be able to do the math to solve the complicated problems. Um, but that's not what make good engineers, engineers, uh, you know, so if you've got the curiosity, you like solving problems and puzzles, and, and that's, what's interest you look at engineering. Um, cause there's a lot of what we do that doesn't necessarily always I mean, I don't. I don't do Laplace foyer transformers on <laughs> on a daily basis anymore, right? <laughs> no,
0: I hope not. <laughs> no, I don't either. So, I in fact, I tell people sometimes I'm a former engineer because I don't. I do mostly cash flow and P and L statements these days, but um I still can understand most engineering topics. But I, I don't, I don't design anymore. So. <laughs>
1: I'm with you. Um, and, and I guess that's where you and I both translated from being engineers into being entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I I miss some of the days where I could just dig into engineering, dig in mm-hmm. schematics and, uh, you know, elementaries. And um, I miss those days sometimes because uh, cash flow and P&L statements, <laughs> they, they do kind of take over what we do as an entrepreneur. That is true.
0: That is that is true. I spend more time uh, looking at my bank account than I do uh, looking at uh, engineering prints at these days. So, <laughs> so I got a question. So, you know, it, uh, a lot of a lot of what you talk about is you know you, you're focused on STEM and bringing more women into the, to the STEM roles and and. Um, you know, I, I see it as a big challenge. I mean, I think that uh, we don't see enough women choosing engineering, an engineering path or an engineering career. My sister's is uh, an engineer. I have engineers working for me, uh, female engineers working for me and my company. But why do you think there's uh, you don't see as many women choose a career path like engineering?
1: You know, I think that women don't see themselves in that career because they don't see women in that career as much. Mm. Not- um, you know, it it does help to actually see something to be able to visualize yourself in that position. So I think it's important as a female engineer uh, for me to to go out and talk to other other. You know, and, and I look at it as a as a as a full range. You know, it's. It's uh, me talking to my niece uh, a couple of nights ago who was getting ready to go into a big biology exam, and she was nervous. And I'm like, you know, hey, you got this. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, mentoring, uh, you know, students at NC State, female engineers through the the WISE program and uh, giving them confidence that, hey, yeah, it's tough, and you might be one of just a few female engineering students in your class, but, you know, this is worth it. You can do it. Hang in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, then in the workplace, um, you know, identifying high potential and then taking time out of my day to really mentor, coach, and take them under my wing and help them to develop and blossom and grow into uh, what they want to be, whatever that is in the engineering technical field. Because mm. um, one of the things I have noticed, you know, when you talk about talent pipeline, we, we have a gap. We have a deficiency of good engineers and um, women and minorities can help us fill that. Mm. Um, Absolutely. But the challenge is, you know, what I've seen, you get the girls interested, you get them through college, you get them into a first technical role. For some reason, in my experience, around seven years, they drop out. Mm. They move into non-technical roles. Mm. Um, And I did it. I moved into project management. Um, (laughs) You know, now I went back to technical. I went back to engineering, but I did. I I jumped uh, out of technical and went more to project management for a while. Um, You know, but I, I see a lot of women... When they make the transition, they don't necessarily come back to the technical roles. So, how do you then change the C-suite? How do you then change the boardroom?
0: Mm, yeah, when absolutely. You, when you
1: when you've got that lack, you know that lack uh, of talent throughout the entire pipeline. Um, so it's really a challenge. And you know, I wrote an article just recently about COVID nineteen. Um, I'm up to eight now. Eight. Uh, female engineers that I know who are great engineers, really good talent, top potential engineers that have made the decision because of COVID, they're going to quit their job. They're going to stay home. They're going to educate the children.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sometimes that just falls on the mom, right? That, uh, so, so with students having to work remotely, they're making a decision that, well, if there's no way, you know, I I'm going to stay home. There's no way I can, you know, send my kids to school. I'm just going to stay home and help educate my children. Wow. Yeah. I didn't really think of it that way. It's, 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 it's part. it's a, it's a big challenge, right. Especially with COVID that, um, now the responsibilities of, of, of the home and, and taking care of the children, you know, takes a, takes a front seat, right. When you don't, you can't send your kids to school. That's really interesting. So, um, yeah, I didn't really think about that. Um, yeah, it's 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 a shame because I think um, you know me and my experience working with uh, women engineers over the years. I, I there is no difference in capability. Certainly, uh, I would say in some cases the attention to detail is a lot higher, actually. So, um, but um, yeah, and so there's no reason why careers you know in in engineering shouldn't be sought after. But I think I think you're right. There is a lack of role models. There's you certainly don't see anybody. In mainstream you know media or what have you that are you know maybe well named well known female engineers doing great things, I mean you've got the Elon Musk out there and what have you but um so there's not the role models that you see like with with the, on the men's side of things, so really interesting well- so um you know you you're like me so you you spent a lot of time in big companies um doing various roles. And in fact, we worked together uh, for a short period of time. So um, why did you finally decide to uh, start your own company, to move away from the big companies and go into business for yourself and starting up your own company? Why did you make that decision? Uh,
1: So it was actually a decision that took multi years to, to come to, um, I actually had a a rumor out there that I was starting my own company and it was totally false at the time. (laughs) Uh, But I had so many people, uh, you know, texting and calling, hey, I heard this rumor, you're starting your own company, good for you, you can do it. And that kind of planted a seed Um, because I was like, well, if everybody else thinks I can do it, maybe I can. (laughs) Um, And so then as I Thought about it, and it took me years from that point to get to the to the I guess the straw that broke the camel's back uh, for me to actually do it. Um, you know, I, I thought about it from that point on, but it was always kind of like, uh, no, I, you know, I, I like climbing the ladder. I, I like what I'm doing here, um, and I and I don't know if I can make as much impact um, mm-hmm. owning my own business and. Really, it, it, it just hit me one day. It's like, no, no, owning your own business is what, uh, you can and should do. You can make more impact in the industry that way. Um, you know, in diversity spend, uh, which you're aware of in the industry, you know, the electric utility industry has diversity spend initiatives. Um, it, n- not all. But most do now. And um, having, you know, competent, qualified, capable, customer service oriented companies. Um, when I sat on the other side of the table, I struggled to find that. Mm. And um, I was like, you know, if, if I have this frustration and I have this need, and I talked to several other people that were in my roles in the industry, and they said, yeah, this is something that we need we need more women-owned engineering firms that are, are doing the right thing and, and um, having quality and customer service as um, a basis. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. Mm. And so, um, you know, and and there's, <laughs> uh, there, there's a, a couple of, of people that I look at and I say, yeah, they kind of gave me, the confidence to do it, and you're one of them, because uh, you had opened your company not too long before I opened mine. And I don't know that you know this, but the company you were with prior to opening up your own company, I interviewed for your old job. Oh wow! I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did.
0: Um, well, you would have course, you would have done a better job than me, but uh, <laughs>
1: that's funny. well. You, you know, I didn't take it because um, I knew you had opened up your own company. And I was like, hey, you know, he did it. Maybe I can do it. Um, so I wasn't too far behind you. So, uh, yeah, I guess you're part to blame for me starting Select.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, yeah, I think um, I, I felt the same way you did. I felt like, you know, there could be, I could impact the market more from my own with my own company versus trying to do it through a big company. And the other thing for me, at least, I felt like, like like big corporations have sort of lost their soul. You know, it was all kind of bureaucratic and rules and um and people were not a priority. And um I always believe that, you know, that leadership is a people business and people should be our priority. And you know, I I found myself having a hard time implementing, you know, the stuff that came down from on high. You know, I kind of felt, you know, I had to tell I had to tell employees certain things I didn't agree with, and that that that's really hard. Uh, When you, when you care about people and you can't do what's right for them, it was, it was hard for me. So for me, part of it was like, I need a little, a few more degrees of freedom to do, to treat people the way I wanted to treat them. So,
1: and and that's a a perfect um, segue into, you know, kind of why we do what we do. And it comes Mm. down to, you know, my motto is hashtag power to make a difference yeah, I truly believe we have the power to make a difference. Um, and you and I both been there with large companies where you go through the drastic rise of hiring because you landed some big project. As soon as it's over, the next one doesn't come through. And then you've got to lay people off and then you go through the next cycle. Right. It was torturous. I hated it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of the things I said when I opened up my company and COVID happened, I said, we're not going to lay anybody off. Mm. And we haven't. I haven't laid a single person off this year. And um, have we had months that the cash flow was negative? Absolutely. <laughs> have we had uh, less revenue um, on certain months than we had the previous year or two years or three years? Absolutely. Um but I made the call and I made the decision that I was not going to lay off a single person because um you know when you have a business you don't just impact yourself you carry the real burden of your employees but not just them it's their spouses mm. it's their kids it's their mortgage payment it's so true. you know the kids yeah. college fund um there's so many things that you're responsible for and so yeah, we we have not laid off a single person with COVID and we
0: don't plan to. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we did the same. So we've got same same amount of people. In fact, we brought some people on to help us get through some. We we actually had quite a surge during this time. And I think because some of the big companies kind of didn't didn't perform very well. And so we were able to kind of take advantage of that. But um, you know, to your point, I was just thinking about what you said and it really the idea that, you know, you you impact the lives, not only the lives of, of your employees, but their families. And, and, and I was, I was going to tell a story real quick when, you know, when I was, um, when I was running a plant uh, here in North Carolina, we, we used to have a family day we would go up to King's dominion and we would, you know, you could bring, you could bring your immediate family with you. And so everybody went to King's dominion and then we would meet at the pavilion pavilion for lunch. And at one point we had some 250 employees and they had each had brought all their family members. Well, I had, you know, I gave a little opening speech, and I looked out in the crowd, and there was a thousand people there listening to me talk, and 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 that was a a really clear reminder of the people that are affected by the decisions I make as a leader. It's not just the 250 employees; it's all their families, and and uh, you know, and it was just like, wow, that was a powerful visual of the effect that we have as leaders on on our people it's not just them it's their whole family
1: absolutely and and that's what keeps us up at night when we look at our cash flow because we know it affects every person that works for us and their immediate family that's why we stay up at night as entrepreneurs
0: we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors deep leadership is brought to you by peak demand peak demand is a veteran-led manufacturer of products for electric utilities they help utilities keep the lights on Building and maintaining the nation's electrical grid is hard work, but getting the critical components to keep it running shouldn't be. Peak Demand's products ship in just 24 hours, where most other suppliers can take up to eight weeks. Go to peakdemand.com and learn more about the Peak Demand difference and request a free sample. Deep Leadership is also brought to you by my Amazon best-selling book, I Have the Watch, Becoming a Leader Worth Following. This book is filled with 23 short stories on how you can become a more effective leader. Learn how to unleash the power of people with this easy, practical guide. Go to ihavethewatch.com and click the large orange button for signed copies. Enter the discount code DEEPLEADERSHIP, one word, at checkout to get 20% off your order. And domestic shipping is always free. What's been your experience um, starting your own business from scratch? I know for me, at least, having had a long time in the, in the Navy and with big companies, you know, there was always like a framework to, to, to make your decisions in. And when I went to my own company, it was just nothing there. I mean, it was a blank slate. And uh, that took a little bit to get used to. So what was your experience like starting a business from, from zero, basically, and creating everything?
1: I, you know, the first day that I gave my resignation and walked away from the big corporation, the big paycheck, big bonus, uh, the stability, I was so excited. I was so happy. I was pumped. I was like, yes, I'm going to do this.
0: Right.
1: Uh, two weeks later, I was terrified. <laughs> Absolutely terrified. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, one of the things I did, which is a little bit different from most people, is I self-funded. I bootstrapped this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any investors. I don't have any loans. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, decided if I was going to do it, I didn't want anybody else's fingers in the cookie jar, um, that I wanted to be able to set the company up the way that I wanted to. Um, <sighs> But how do you do that? How do you start yeah. with nothing, right? Yeah. And uh, you'll probably remember you were one of the people I reached out to early on. And I said, hey, I think I'm going crazy. I'm going to open my own business. <laughs> you just did it. Tell me tell me what worked and what didn't. Um, uh, and I reached out to probably a dozen people that I trusted that had made that transition. Mm-hmm. And I took n- notes of everybody I I'd talked to. And then I kinda took those notes and I whittled them down and, and I thought about them and I whittled them down again. I said, okay, you know, this is what I think, you know, rose to the top of the cream. This is what I think is really good. This is what I'm gonna keep. This is what I'm gonna use. And um yeah, and then I did it. Um I you know, I had an MBA, so I had some business acumen. I had P&L responsibilities in a large corporation so I you know understood some of that and so I had some of the financial literacy um so I wasn't starting from zero but I did feel like I was starting from scratch and so I took all the experiences of wonderful people like yourself and also from my own experiences and I kept the good and I threw away the bad and I said okay Let's uh let's jump out of the airplane and hope we pack the shit right.
0: <laughs> it's so true. You know, we laugh we laugh about it too because when we started our company, well, there was a quote from Mark Cuban who says, if you start your own company, the last thing you need to do is create a logo and buy a bunch of shirts. But that's the first thing we did. We created a logo and bought a bunch of shirts. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's just funny because you you get excited about starting a company and and really what Mark was saying is that you ought to go get, you know see if you can sell the idea, see if someone's going to pay money for your products or your service. And, uh, and, but most people like we do, we run off and create a logo and get some cool polo shirts so we can wear it at trade shows. <laughs> so, but it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So I think it's, um, yeah, I think one of the things that I've, I find is, um, well, A, it was it was fun that there were no rules, but B, it was challenging that it, there was no rules. So you had to kind of create everything from scratch. And, you know, having worked for global companies, there was always some expert within the organization you could turn to. And so like you're, you're pointing to, you had to go out, we had to go outside the company to find people who were, you know, resources or people that could help us. And so I ended up being connected with a lot of different people that I did in my corporate life. So a lot more... You know, local business people, uh, lawyers, uh, bankers—things that you would normally not do in corporate, uh, in the corporate world. So it's pretty interesting. You ended up in a whole different—I um, don't know—system uh, of you know, or, or you're surrounded by a completely different type of people than than you did in a corporate setting, which you were mostly just sur- surrounded by people from that company. So I, I enjoyed it, but it was definitely get hard to get used to in the beginning after working so many years in, in a big corporation. So,
1: oh, I'm what, what I, I was just going to say, absolutely. Um, one of the things I did learn, by the way, is that um, I'm not an expert at everything. There's a lot of stuff I'm not good at, and I had to start outsourcing and asking people for help. Yeah. Um, so, you're exactly right. Finding the right lawyer, finding the right CPA team that fits, um, you know, it, it took time. Now that I have it in place, uh, it's so much better. Um, yes. Yeah, you know, realizing that there's some there's some stuff I'm just not good at, and I need to pay the expert to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's hard sometimes as an entrepreneur you think you can do everything, and you can't. You you have to recognize where you're weak and bring in the experts to to shore that up. Um, And and there's plenty of there's 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 a whole ecosystem around you know startup businesses and people that are willing to help you and if you're connected with the right people, I think you can find those resources. And, you know, in the early days, I mean, I, we were doing a lot of stuff on Fiverr to make videos or to do a logo or do things. I mean, you know, you're, we're, we're spending, your, you're spending your own money. You got you're not spending a big, big bucks like we did in, uh, in the big company. So you're, you're, you're a lot more frugal. <laughs> so, but um, so what, one thing um, I noticed that at least for me that, that how I led, was different. So um, how you lead in a big company versus how you lead in a startup company. So what what did what, what you notice as you, you know, from a leadership perspective, what changed going into your own company?
1: Um, I would say, you know, when I worked at a large corporation, I definitely kept a professional hat on at all points. Mm. Um, you know, you go through rigorous amounts of HR training, of what you can say, what you can't say, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Um, so you end up, in my opinion, kind of keeping your employees at arm's distance. And so that was one of the things being an entrepreneur, starting up my company. Um, you know, and I, and I jokingly say the last thing I'm going to hire is an HR manager. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's different because, um, you know, I can be more personal. With them, um, you know one of the things I remember um, having a corporate job, again, I was always professional, uh, you know, always kept that manager hat on or director hat on. and right before I left one of my corporate positions, we did like a, a group outing where we went to the Carolina Hockeys hurricane game, oh, right. right? Yeah. And I'm a huge hockey fan. I love hockey. I get into it. I've got the jerseys and everything. <laughs> and so we're sitting in the group area, you know, so I'm surrounded by employees. And um something happened on the ice and basically there was a fight. And I'm standing up and I'm, you know, boxing, air boxing and I'm cheering and you know, and I noticed everybody around me was quiet and my husband's like pulling at my jersey like you need to sit down (laughs) and I looked around and everybody was shocked everybody was amazed that you know I was that passionate about it I really knew the game I was a, a real Carolina Hurricanes hockey fan and I got into it and they they couldn't fathom that side of me because I had basically walled myself off in a corporate position. Um, So I make sure now I don't do that. I connect with my employees. Uh, I get to know them. Uh, You know, we, we talk about things that are personal, what's Mm -hmm. going on in our lives. I know it's what's going on in their lives. Um, You know, of course it's always HR appropriate, but You know, I like letting that guard down and letting Mm. them into my life and letting them know really who I am as a person and getting to know them and who they are as a person and their families and their spouses and their kids. And um, I think that's great. And I think that's one of the things uh, in your book, you know, I have the watch. You know, you talked about you always attend weddings and funerals. And I think that's important. I really do, and I, I think that that for me, I wish I had found earlier in my career, but it took me stepping out and being an entrepreneur to recognize that.
0: Yeah, you're right. I think I think you're right. I think when I was talking about it, feeling like, you know, the corporation had no soul. I think that's what it was, where I, I wanted to be that authentic person with, with my people, but you felt you know, there was, you know, people, everybody's watching you, you know, HR is watching every, you know, your met, your boss is watching you. So you, you tended to, to kind of play the, the manager role as, as you saw it played to you. And, you know, so yeah, I think it, I think it creates, you know, the, the best times I ever had in corporate is when I was running a business that was far away from corporate. So we were running a plant in the middle of nowhere where nobody would ever visit. So we could, I could be authentic and I did bring myself to work in a very authentic way, like I do in my own company. But once I, the closer I was to corporate, if you will, or, you know, everybody was more straight laced and, you know, and, and uh, you know, not authentic, everybody was sort of putting on a show. That's, that's what I noticed. So I I love those roles when I was running a plant in the middle of nowhere (laughs) because I got to be myself. So, uh, and, and of course now with my own company, yeah, I can bring that full, um, my full personality to the job, so and i I really enjoy that I mean, um you know we have one of our employees, we have a stand up morning meeting every morning, and one of my employees announced that uh she was pregnant, and you know she's she's a just a wonderful person, and she pretty much runs that company and I looked around and everybody 's crying, my entire company like we're just standing around crying. And you don't, you didn't see that in the corporate world. You didn't see that that connection that was so deep that um, we sat there and all bald uh, finding out she was pregnant, you know, because we were just so happy for her. So I think that that's what I love about a, a startup and a small company is you have that connection with people.
1: I I fully agree. And, you know, I, I find it almost comical. Now you hear a lot of times with leadership training, they talk about being Authentic, And they talk about being vulnerable. Mm. I yeah. never felt comfortable being authentic or vulnerable in a corporate mm. position ever. Yeah. Um, but boy, I do with my company. Um, I, I wear it on my sleeve and I put it out there and I love it. I love who I am now.
0: Yeah, that's great. You bring your whole self to work. And uh that's, that's really neat. That's really neat to hear that. So, cause I feel the same way. I feel, I don't feel like I have a company. I have a family and that's the way I feel with my employees. We're a family and it's us against the world, right? I mean, I'm going up against $150 billion companies, $40 billion companies, and, and we're just a little seal team. You know, we're, we don't have a land army, but we're pretty effective uh in small small tactics and, and and you know moving quickly and and uh sometimes we run circles around the big guys and it's a lot of fun so we but we're now yeah, it's us against the world, and I think everybody in my company feels that way so and it's a really neat to be part of a team that feels that there's an energy there that we we're going to show the world we're going to put our own dent in the universe and uh you know and and it's fun to be part of something like that
1: absolutely absolutely and I can say um you know I I love coming out to your facility and seeing your production area and meeting your team and um you're right you have a family there and every single one of them um they're almost like scrappy little terriers you know (laughs) and I love that about your team I love those personalities that you put together
0: yeah they're they're very skilled. They're every, you know, it's really interesting. So everybody's ex, an expert in their one particular area, but then we overlap in some areas. So it's really a powerful, uh, it's it's um, not easy to do. I mean, I think, well, you know, right? Hiring in a small company is so much more critical than hiring a big company because that could be 10% of your workforce, right? It could be 5% of your workforce. It's a big party workforce. You Hiring correctly is really important in a, in a startup and in a young company.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I've got some wonderful, wonderful people on my team now. And, you know, we're actually at the point that we have three distinct divisions. Uh, so we have a division that does professional services, which is staffing and recruiting. And John Nash heads that up. Um, I, of course, head up engineering services and then Robert Bryan heads up our PMO and, and our operations team and. Those three divisions are headed by complete experts, but we all cross support each other and we all work together. And it's just amazing at the end of the day, what we accomplish. And, you know, we, we cry over losses and we celebrate together <laughs> over wins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's wonderful to have that dynamic. And, um, I can tell you, you know, I'm so blessed to have the team that we do, but we do look at every single hire as strategic.
0: Um, You know, I I
1: say, hey, you know, we've got a new candidate. Let's put them through the gauntlet. You know, they they have to make it through all three of us. All three of us have to give a thumbs up for someone to make it on the team. If just one of the three says, eh, I don't know, that person doesn't get an offer. (laughs)
0: Mm, I love it. That's, Um, That's great.
1: Yeah. And so it, it, and we, you know, we really are very similar to yours. We talk about the select family. Um, We've had people that have come through select and gone on to other companies that unfortunately had layoffs, closed offices, Mm. you know, divested divisions, various reasons people were laid off. And it's like, Hey, they're still part of the select family. They might not be, on payroll right now with a part of the Slack family what can we do to help them find their next
0: seat oh,
1: and that. so the team comes together to do that
0: that's great so you're yeah you know, it's funny because i mean like this past friday night one of my former employees um came up and we spent the evening him and his wife and we just sat around and talked and had a great time and he's a former employee he left because he had a bigger opportunity at another company, but yet we still stay connected. I I, I hope for his success. You know, we're still friends and uh, we're still cheering each other on, even though he's no longer an employee. I think there's something, something about that. Once you're part of that, you know, we say the peak demand family, you say the select family, you're sort of, you know, you can't get rid of family <laughs> once you're in the family, right? Even though you leave the company, you're still a family. So <laughs> I love it. So, well, you know, if, as we talk about, you know, you've seen many years in, in corporate. You've seen now um, a, a plenty of time in your own startup. So in your opinion, what are some characteristics of a great leader?
1: So for me, a great leader, um, they're able to give a vision to their mm-hmm. team, but they support their team in accomplishing that goal. And they're at the back pushing. They're not at the front pulling, they're at the back pushing. And, um, you know, they're giving their team the support, the encouragement. You're the cheerleader. You're giving them the tools that they need. Um, and you're setting them up for success to accomplish the vision and goals that you have set for them. Mm. Um, you don't stand between them. You don't stand in front of them. Uh, you stand behind them and support them. And I think that's what's important, to be a great leader.
0: I love that. I love that. So, you know, setting the vision, supporting the team, encouragement, you know, pushing them along, not uh yeah, I, I just really like that. And st- I mean, I like the idea of being behind them and having their back and and standing behind them as they, you know, as they, as they as they as they're, you know, focus on reaching the goals that you've set. So very I love that. I love the idea of just you know a leader has their employees back. That that analogy really I had one one leader in my career that really stood behind me and I'll never forget that. It was one of those things that, um, it really changed my view on leadership when he did that. Uh, you know, just standing behind me, backing me up, even when things went wrong. That's a powerful thing a leader can do, especially when it's, um, you know, that employee gave a hundred percent and the outcome. Didn't didn't turn out that way. But but you still back them up. And, and a lot of leaders don't do that. They'll throw people under the bus. This the first time something bad happens. And having a leader that backs you up, even when things wrong, things happen. That's a that's powerful.
1: I uh, I used to tell my team and in corporate America, I used to say, um, you know, I'm a big girl. Throw me under the bus. Hmm. Uh, you know, if you've got a situation and something's happening and you need to deal with it, throw me under the bus, you know, uh, let the arrows come at me. I've got a shield. I'll be okay. Uh, the only thing I ask is that you give me a heads up. If you throw me under the bus, you're going to start sending arrows my way. Just let me know so I can be prepared for it. Um, you know, that, that's what I'm here for. And so I always, always, uh, threw myself under the bus for my team and defended and protected my team. Mm. Um, even if they were wrong. Now there were times that I took employees in a conference room and we had some, we had some <laughs> real talk. We had some hard right. conversations. Right. Um, but in front of the rest of the team, uh, I never let them see that there was ever a problem because, you know, it's like, it's nobody else's business. If, if you failed, if you got an issue or challenge that you didn't mm. reach, um, and it was a shortcoming for various reasons, that's between me and you. We need to figure out what I can do to help you improve so the next time it doesn't happen. Um, but that's nobody else's business. Nobody yeah. else needs to know.
0: Yeah, that's important. Yeah, praise in public and, and correct in private, right? I think that's really important. And and And, you know, good leaders do that. And the poor bosses, they do just the opposite, you know? So, uh, really good. So, um, so what's next for you and Select Power Systems? What are you guys working on these days, and what are what are your plans going forward?
1: Uh, you know, Select is really um, we're really poised to go into twenty twenty one doing some great things. Uh, we've got a lot of great opportunities. Uh, we've got some really great partners in the industry that work with us. Um and, and so we're being able to go after larger projects and make more of an impact as well as uh take lead on a couple of smaller projects on our own. Um so I'm really excited about 2021 and what we're gonna accomplish. Um we're doing, you know, some some little side projects, uh social impact type projects. Again, the hashtag power to make a difference is kind mm-hmm. of the core of the company. So um, you know, supporting uh, women in engineering, what can we do there? Um, and also reaching out to historically black colleges and universities and, uh, you know, reaching out to them and saying, Hey, what minority engineering students do you have that we can mentor, that mm. we can coach, that we can support and help? Because, um, again, going back to what we were saying earlier, we've got a talent gap and women and minorities can help us fill that. So those are some of the social issues. Um, and programs that we have within SELECT beyond just what we can do to impact the utility environment.
0: I love to hear that. That's so great. Because <clears throat> I think I think you're right. There's a talent gap and we need as many resources into the engineering space as possible. Because I really do, I worry about it because I think not enough people are selecting engineering as a career. They They seem to think it's, <clears throat> I don't know, everybody's a fascinated by i don't know apps and things you know and and uh making a youtube channel or what have you but uh or maybe it's tiktok i don't know (laughs) i'm old but uh but the point is they don't see the excitement in 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 what what engineers do i mean other than you know like i I talked about earlier elon musk is in the news doing these amazing things and and i tend to tell people that's an engineer that's that's what engineering does that's what that's what engineers do and uh but but there's not enough of that, I think, in the mainstream kind of uh, world out there of of engineers doing amazing things and inspiring the next generation to kind of go into engineering. So I think it's smart to seek out uh, minorities, women, people who are traditionally not, uh, you know, in the, in the pipeline. They're the smaller percentage of engineers. I think it's a great, uh, great thing you can do. It's certainly making a difference, and that's uh, very powerful. Well,
1: thank you. I appreciate that.
0: So how can people find out more about you, your company? And, of course, we didn't get a chance to talk about too much, but your website where you write a lot about um, STEM issues and also um, uh, career issues, leadership issues. How can people find out more about you?
1: Um, So there's a lot of different ways. Um, So selectpowersystems.com is the company website. Um, Of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Heather Eason, feel free to look me up. I'm one of the few people that actually has my email address and my personal cell phone number listed. <laughs> so you can reach out to me. Um, I have been blogging since 2014 on leanedon.com. Uh, so you can check me out there. Um, and I'm actually writing a book uh, yes. again, John, you've inspired <laughs> me. Uh, so I've started writing a book on women in STEM and how they can climb the ladder. I mean, that's, that's kind of the basis of leaned on is, you know, How do you lean on that ladder and and climb? Um, Because I think that's a challenge that a lot of female engineers have. And having been there, done that, uh, I kind of know what the uh, landmines are, and I know where the air support is. And so I'd like to take some of that knowledge I gained and share it with others.
0: I'm excited about the book. So do you have a a title for the book yet?
1: I have not. So anybody that has any ideas or yourself, uh, please share. Um... You know, it's one of those things where uh, I think I'm going to write it and I'm going to rewrite it and I'm going to rewrite it. And then I'll probably share some of it out and say, hey, based on what I've written, what do you think the title should be? What do you think the, you know, picture art should be and, and things like that? I think title and, and art will probably be the last thing that I would
0: get. That's uh, that's that's a that's a good way to do it. That's that's for certain. Um well, I'm excited about that and I will definitely have you back on once uh, the book is out and we're going to talk all about it because I'm excited about what you're doing and uh, I know it's going to be amazing. Um, You know, it's great. You know, I've, I work with you and I have so much respect for you and now seeing you just take on the world of, you know, starting your own business and being an entrepreneur and just killing it. Uh, You know, you, you've got the, one of the biggest cheerleaders is me just watching you grow and watching your company grow. And, and uh, I'm just, uh I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for you in the future for power uh, for your, for your company and um, select power systems and where you're headed. I'm just excited for you. So uh, congratulations on all your success and um, really um you know, keep doing what you're doing because I think it's really important you trying to help out and bring more people into this world of engineering. So I think you're setting a great example and being that example for for female minorities and uh, others getting into this space. So good for you.
1: Well, thank you so much, John. I do appreciate it.
0: Well, I want to thank you very much. And and again, listeners, take you know, think about the things that Heather talked about. What does it take to be to be a startup? Uh, leader, what are some of the things that she talked about? She talked about authenticity. And I think it's a really good stuff. And, you know, I liked her definitions of leaders and what, what leaders should do and things like, you know, crafting a vision, supporting the team, encouraging, pushing people along, standing behind them. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of powerful lessons in this, uh, um, in this podcast. So, uh, take a listen to them and, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll put all, uh, all of, uh, Heather's, Uh, her company and her LinkedIn page, all that. We'll put that in the show notes so you can reach out to her if you want to learn more. So thank you, Heather, for being on the show. And thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge and your experience with starting up your company.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well